The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with Ellie Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. Uh, today we're going to continue with So You Want to Go on Safari um, with some tips and some ideas and some uh, information to help you get the most out of what could be this once-in-a-lifetime experience or even if you're an old hand and you want to have some new experiences and try some different places, uh, I hope to help you find some different ideas. So last week... We covered um, from uh, knowing your operator and choosing an operator. And today, toward the end of the show, I'll give you some ideas and some websites where you can get some good information about finding the right operator to tailor the safari to the trip of the lifetime that you're looking for. We also uh, had our special guest, uh, Dr. Dusty Becker, who does the uh, walking safaris in the Mari, Mar- Maasai Mara in Kenya. That's East Africa. Uh, for those of you interested in a little more of a rustic and adventure and uh, roughing it a bit more. But in terms of going on safari, that lets, brings me to letting you know there is just about every type of experience you'd like to have, whether you want to rough it and go basic to um, camping and uh, like you're really roughing it on the out of doors and small tents to the larger mobile tented camps where you can join up with a group or create your own custom safari. And a mobile tented camp is where they truck in all the gear, tents, kitchen, staff, uh, amenities, uh, food, you name it. Everything you need is trucked in and set up. Uh, within the week before your arrival, and then as you move along, that camp gets disassembled and follows you. It's an incredible experience, and it's very private, and like I said, it's definitely custom. And you get to have an experience that um, is much closer and involved in terms of being with the wildlife and being immersed in the uh, area that you're, you've chosen to go or set up in. So that gets me back to understanding what you want to accomplish on your safari. It's a good idea to have some knowledge about where you want to go. Um, So do some research, read, uh, find out what you're going to be encountering over there, learn about some of the wildlife, learn about the cultures, uh, learn how to say hello in every language where you go. It's a great icebreaker, and it's a wonderful way to get involved with the local people. Last week I mentioned that the staff at the camps are a good interface to 
meeting and learning about the country that you're visiting and about the people who live there. Uh, the tourist industry is a huge uh, um, operational uh, economic benefit to the people in the places that you're going to be visiting. And uh, a lot of people have worked very hard to make your stay the best that you can imagine. So it's a good idea to talk to these people rather than stay isolated and um think that you're just only with your group, your entire camp on, in a mobile tented camp, your entire camp is basically on safari with you. And they have a lot of good information about what's going on in the campground, about the people and about the wildlife there. So that brings to another point is if you are on a, a mobile tented safari or a tented safari or even a self-hire um, do-it-yourself kind of safari, there are things you need to be aware of. Um, paying attention to the rules, being prepared. Uh, you need to remember that you are in a wildlife area and the operative word being wild. That means wildlife comes through your camp, whether it's a, a hard camp, which means it's got buildings, or a soft camp, which means it's usually tented, or a permanent or mobile tented camp, or um, a do-it-yourself self-hire where you go into a pre-arranged uh campgrounds that have a lot of amenities. Those are available in Southwest Africa, not so much in East Africa, but that's coming up. Um, so the thing is to be prepared, to be aware of the wildlife that's in your area and pay attention. Uh, it's a good idea to keep your flashlight uh, around, whether it's a headlamp or a, a nice powerful torch. Don't keep food in your tent. That's same thing as here. That's an attractant to wildlife. Um, so definitely don't keep food on your person or in your suitcases or in your, your tents. It's a good idea to keep your money in a money belt on your person. Um, my best words of advice is don't provide temptation. Um, but on the whole, I'd say you can trust and be safe in just about any safari camp that you're going to be visiting. The goal is to give you a great experience. A lot of people ask me, are you safe? Is it safe? And yes, it is safe. We hear a lot on the news about this and that going on and uh, let's say poaching increasing or kidnappings and that kind of thing and carjackings. And that happens all over the world. It doesn't uh, need to be singled out in terms of where you're going to be visiting. And remember, you're on safari. You're going to be... Um, I, for a good word, coddled. You're going to be kept safe. You're going to be kept secure. And uh, with your tour operator, your tour operator is your first line of information to arranging your trip and to ask questions, to ask the questions that uh, you're concerned about. Ask your operator, is it safe? You can certainly look online to travel advisories, um, but realize that those are put out by state department. So if there is, they are mandated uh, to put out any information that could affect the goings on on the ground. So it, it oftentimes comes from a political standpoint of insecurity or whatever might be going on, but typically you are safe. Um, the the places that you're going, you've been invited. Uh, tourists are there a lot. So as long as you stay with your group and understand the parameters of that you're going to be in a new place, that uh, it has safe zones and unsafe zones, just like any city. We don't go walking everywhere, so stay with your group. Um, and especially if you're in urban in an urban area, typically the urban areas in Africa are very different than 
what we're used to. So if you haven't been there before, um, the city is not the skyscraping kind of city we've got. That doesn't mean it doesn't have a skyscraper landscape, but it's very different. So as I talked about last week, uh, when you go to Africa, be prepared to have new experiences, to be able to keep your mind open to accepting things will be different and accept help. Uh, be prepared to let people help you and be prepared to ask questions. Um, be prepared to uh, experience things that you would not necessarily experience here. Different smells, different tastes, different sights, different languages, different people. And that can be so exciting and liberating and that's what you want to get out of your safari, uh, the highlights. So... Um, it's a good idea to be uh, well-researched, to have a good tour operator that will answer your questions. If this operator isn't answering your questions, then I suggest finding another one. I also suggest working with an operator that gives back to the communities where their camps and uh, where they operate. They, uh, they're they in East Africa and Southwest Africa, which is the two areas that I'm going to cover. Um, I'm not covering Central Africa or Northern Africa. Uh I don't have enough experience in those places, so I typically am talking about wildlife-rich areas that are um, standard tourist destinations. There are, of course, places to go that are not standard to get even farther off the beaten track if you're interested. And you can always contact me at wildeyes, W-I-L-D-I-Z-E, at wildeyes.org to find out more information. Or be sure to look at our website at www.wildeyes.org or you can call into the show at 1-866-472-5788 and I'd be happy to answer your questions. So we're heading into here to a break. So what I'd like to let you know we're going to cover coming up is how to be prepared. Um, some of those rules and expectations at the camp that you really must pay attention to. Um, some research uh, that you can get into and learn about what you want to see if you're going to be bringing children on safari and then I'll uh, get into some specific camps that are some of my favorite places and some good operators to work with and uh, I'll also talk about some of the places where Wild Eyes works if you're interested in going on a volunteer type safari and uh, the variety of things that you can do uh, including gap years for university students so we'll be right back and I'll talk to you shortly The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. 
She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. And hi there. We're talking about, so you want to go on safari and giving you some tips and ideas to make the, the safari, whether it's your first experience or you're an old hand and uh, this is not your first experience and you've been doing it for a long time. I've been going to Africa for 20 years and each time I make it a new experience. Each time you can see and learn something new depending on where you're going, the camp that you're staying at, the people that you're working with, uh, the people that are uh, making the camp, your tour operator, and the group you're traveling with. So you want to do a higher-end safari. Uh, the, your first resource really is the Internet and the web. Uh, just about everybody, all the camps in East Africa, Southwest Africa, or wherever you want to go, is going to have a website, and you can get a good idea of uh, the amenities, the experiences, and the activities this camp will offer. Um, a lot of times the way it operates is there are umbrella companies that uh, support and public relate for a variety of camps under their umbrella. An example of that would be New African Territories. And then underneath them they have a certain uh, camp operators like Perini Camps, um, the Serenera Camps, the uh, Sarova Camps. Uh, so you want to get an idea of that when you're booking a safari and you choose your operator, that operator is typically going to stay under the umbrella and take you to their various camps. One operator will have camps in a variety of places. For an example, in the Maasai Mara, um, there's Offbeat Safaris, which is a great little group that gives um, – Great activities. You can do walking safaris. You can do camel rides. You can, uh, do horseback riding safaris. And then they, uh, are, they operate in a variety of areas. Let's say Samburu, the Maasai Mara, Laikipia. So each area has a variety of camps that operate under, um, particular umbrellas. And then your op, your tour operator who you book your show, your, your, um, trip through will, um, Spread your trip out 
through these various camps that are all operated under one umbrella. Uh, if you want to do a custom safari, then of course you can pick and choose the camps you want to go into. And uh, once again, that's a good idea to do your research to find out what kind of an experience you want. I typically suggest getting a variety of lodging experiences from the larger camp, which could either be a hard building um, that can be a refurbished Italian uh, homestead like Socian Camp in Lykepia. Fabulous little camp that is uh, run by two wonderful people, Simon Kenyon and Rosie. Um, oh, goodness, I forgot Rosie's last name at the moment, but they made my stay last June absolutely incredible. It's like walking into somebody's home. Uh, and then the, your rooms, the private rooms on suite are four little, uh, lodges like little cabanas spreading off either side of the main area, the main mess as we would call it. And it's a fabulous place. And Lykepia is the, um, higher plateau in East Africa, Kenya, between the Aberdares and Mount, uh, Mount Kenya. So on, Good weather, which would typically be not winter, which is our spring, uh, you can get an incredible view and you get different wildlife depending on which area you're, you're going to go. So it's a good idea to understand what you want to see. Do you want to see the big five, uh, elephant, rhino, cape buffalo, lion and leopard? So if that's what you're looking for, then you need to be aware of the time of year you're going so that you have a good opportunity to see these animals during the rainy season. There are short rains and long rains. The uh, short rains come up in November and the long rains come up in March in East Africa. So uh, about now it's raining or should be raining in East Africa and also in Southwest Africa they move up. And wildlife is dependent upon the rains because the rains bring the grasses and they decide where the predators and the prey animals will be. So if there's no food and water, then you can be pretty much assured you won't see wildlife. If there's water everywhere, then you can be pretty much assured the wildlife will be dispersed. So it's harder to see because um, it's green. And Africa, when it's green and in the rains, is a stunning experience. Um, rain, watching rainstorms come in across the Serengeti is an unprecedented expense experience. The horizon line you see forever and you can just watch these clouds roll in and uh, outside your tent if you're in a mobile camp or even um, a hard-sided camp, you're watching uh, during the rainy seasons and this time of year the migrations beginning. Uh, in January is when the wildebeest migration gathers in the Serengeti, the northern part of Tanzania and the southern part of the Mara Serengeti ecosystem. And the Maasai Mara is in the southern part of Kenya and they, uh, the Maasai Mara and the Serengeti connect across the border. Um, so this time of year, the wildebeest are giving birth. January and February is a fabulous time. We call it the first steps safari. If you want to see wildebeest and zebra moving en masse in numbers, um, numbering in the one and a quarter million animals, um, from 
the Serengeti, then following the rains, these animals migrate north into the Maasai Mara, and they hit there about June, July, August. So it takes several months for this to happen. And once again, you want to work with your tour operator. If this is a spectacular site you want to see, then you need to plan the timing of your trip and uh, work with your operator and figure out the, the route you want to take and uh, uh, get a good idea of the different kinds of experience you want to have on the ground. There's nothing that beats um, a mobile tented safari in the Serengeti when the migration is happening or the, the wildebeest, wildebeest are giving birth. Um, so that leads me to another uh, concept of when you're on safari of how to behave around wildlife. Uh, here in the West, we have an opportunity to see a lot of wildlife on TV. Uh, we learn a lot about their habitats and their habits and their behaviors through watching um, fabulous wildlife documentaries. But in reality, um, it's not what you're watching on TV. Uh, that half-hour hour show that you're watching usually took anywhere from one to six months to, to film, maybe even up to three years to film this wide variety of behaviors. So you need to understand that this is the real world. It's real life. Uh, animals are going to do what they do. Their life is spent finding food, sleeping, moving on, staying alive, and keeping away from predators and mating and um, maintaining their their population numbers. So that's the goal of wildlife. Our goal in watching wildlife is to see their, to learn more about their habits, to learn more about how they work in their niche, and just the fun of watching these beautiful animals for the for the aesthetic of what they are and who they are. And the more you watch wildlife and uh, each animal's behavior, they're living together in a niche and an ecosystem that functions uh, interconnectedly and inextricably linked with each other. So it's a good idea that while you're looking for the lion and the leopard and the elephant, to watch the other animals that are going on because that group of impala will tell you if somebody's around that they don't want. Um, the group of baboons will give you a warning of who might be in the area. Uh, so, And the birds will give you a warning. So there's also ornithological safaris. That's for you birders out there. Africa has some of the most stunning bird life you'll ever see. Uh, East Africa uh, in the migratory routes of the birds. So once again, uh, if you're a birder, you want to be uh aware with your operator what time of your year you're going so that you can get the best experience of some of the migrating birds. Um, so there's all sorts of things to consider on, in going on a safari, but once again, your tour operator should give you a good idea of what you can expect, but you need to give your tour operator tour operator a good idea of your expectations. So we covered it briefly uh, last week of comfort levels. Uh, I always say to, to friends that I'm working with and people that want to go on safari that you can do just about anything for two to three weeks. You can let your life go, um, take a break, stop thinking about home and be where you are on safari and immerse yourself in this experience. There is nothing else like it. People um, typically love Africa or hate it. There's very rarely any in between. So um, I'd say 99% of the people I've talked with, they love Africa. It's it's it bites you. It it grabs you and it it, it takes a part of your soul that uh, is is astounding. Maybe that's 
part of our um, deep internal ancestral memory coming up as we all came from Africa. It is the cradle of mankind. And you can actually visit the cradle of mankind at the Ngorongoro Crater in Tanzania. That makes for a wonderful safari. So let's say you want to see the migration of the wildebeest. You can go to the Ngorongoro Crater, which is um, a small uh, caldera of an extinct volcano that has its uh, typical wildlife and has only certain wildlife and other wildlife doesn't live there and uh, see the Maasai and their cattle. And it's called the Ngorongoro uh, Conservation Area. It's a huge area that encompasses Lake Manyara, um, not far from Arusha. It's a good drive. And then uh, up to the crater and you can spend some time up there. They have changed the rules there a bit for the better. Uh, it used to be you could go into the crater and stay all day, but it was getting maxed out with vehicles. So your permits uh, are for a half day, but the lodges at the top of the crater are fabulous. And the sunsets over the crater and looking down into that stunning landscape is is unprecedented. From uh, Ngorongoro, you would head over into the Serengeti and probably move your camp a, a couple times or stay at a mobile camp or a tented camp and then go into one of the hard camps, the lodges, uh, and at a different part. So depending on what's going on, these areas are huge. So rain uh, moves across these areas. So wildlife is moving in, in our winter time, which is the rainy season in, Af- in East Africa. That's when the wildlife is moving into the Serengeti. And uh, it doesn't all happen at once. Uh, I was there once on a first step safari with uh, my good friend and tour operator, Steve Turner of Origins Safaris. That's O-R-I-G-I-N-S Safaris. And you can look them up at originsafaris.org uh, or .com. And I've been working with Steve for just about 20 years. He does all my logistics for uh, the, the working trips that I do when I go to visit grantees. So he's got some great safaris coming up. There's one for the wildebeest migration coming up in January. And then he's offering sort of a twofer uh, that if you follow up and do the migration into the Mara in March, you get a discounted rate. So I would definitely check that one out. And once again, you can contact me at uh, W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at wildeyes.org. Check out our website, www.wildeyes.org, or call into the show at 1-866-472-5788. So depending on what you want to do and uh, what you want to see, you start tailoring your safari. And then, of course, there's budget. You should have a really good idea of your budget, and you can go on safari from anywhere from about $2,000 up to as much as you want, uh, depending on what kind of experience you want to have. Uh, and by that, I mean chartered flights, helicopters, uh, your own private uh, safari, no other people, your own group and everything being set up specifically to your expectations. A safari like that can run in two oh. Twenty, thirty thousand dollars but once again it's an incredible experience you have everything you need at your fingertips and just about every need is taken care of 
Um, it's an incredible experience. So uh, once again, make uh, do some research. Look on the web. Check out safaris in Africa or safaris in the particular country you would like to visit and have a good idea of what you want to see and uh, do a little research. Um, research never hurts. Learn how to say hello in each language. Um, get a good understanding of the cultural habits, the wildlife habits, the ecosystem, the weather, and what to expect once you're on the ground. Um, expectations is probably the biggest killer of a safari, but it can also be the biggest uh, experience, my, uh, eye-opener, mind, uh, mind-blowing time of your life. Uh, keep your expectations in in line, in gear, um, and be prepared. So when we come back from our break, I'm going to talk about a few of the things uh, to be prepared, such as water, what to eat, what to do, what not to do, um, how to uh, get the best out of your experience by when you're staying in camp and some of the activities they offer. And then we'll get into uh, going on, let's say, the do-it-yourself, self-hire or more rustic safari and volunteering with other organizations or projects if that's the kind of experience you're looking for, such as a gap year or community service and want to give back. So um, here we are talking about going on safari. We're heading into break and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. 
there. So uh, we left off at um, some pretty big numbers for uh, the costs of going on one of these higher-end safaris. And one of the comments that came up is, well, what am I going to see? That's a lot of money. So how am I uh, going to know or am I guaranteed of seeing something? And, yes, you are guaranteed of seeing the big five and the wildlife. It usually seems to happen that first-timers have first-time luck and they see everything on their first drive out. But it's a good idea to at least plan to go during the time of year where you know the wildlife is there. So you don't want to go in the rainy season when wildlife is dispersed. You want to go when it's a little drier so that everybody has to congregate at the waterhole. And since the uh, predators and the carnivores need to eat, then they're going to be looking around the herds that are congregating at the waterhole. So I'd say on average, uh, 80% of the time you're going to see the big five. You're going to see every animal you set out to see, especially the big exciting carnivores, they, uh, they, uh, the megafauna. So in East Africa, the wildlife that t- basically lives there uh, that you're guaranteed to see in the reserves, and that's why these reserves are set aside for this wildlife, is the lion, uh, lion prides. Uh, some of the prides number up to 18 members in the different areas of the Maasai Mara itself. There's several areas of the Mara, so there's several different prides. There's um, the Paradise Pride, there's the Marsh Pride, and uh, the, uh, oh, I think it's called the Oleando or the o- o- I, I can't remember it. I think it's the Oleando Pride. So um, the thing to remember is there's travel distances. Um, you're going to be in a car for a long time. So uh, I'd suggest being prepared if you've got a bad back or um, an achy body to bring your ibuprofen along and maybe bring a little pillow, an airplane pillow, uh, or a little donut to sit on if you have a hard time sitting for a long time. Uh, what you can do is talk with your guide, and your guide is your interface to your experience. You've gone through all the uh, expense, research, and setup, and now you're on the ground. So the person who is your Frontline is your guide and your guide and your driver. Sometimes you'll have the guide who in Kenya should be a member of the uh, Kenyan uh, professional safari guides. That means they have gone to the uh, one of the wildlife training schools. Uh, Koyaki Guiding School is one of the best there. And they've gone through their certifications so they can tell you about uh, the animals that you're seeing, help prepare you for the experiences, give you stories, give you background, tell you about the culture and some of the um, cultural relationships to this wildlife so in uh, the the Maasai Mara area you'll it, it's 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 such an incredible little reserve they call it the gem in the crown of Kenya that you will see a lot of lion uh, there are longtime cheetah families that have lived there um, generation after generation one of them is uh, the descendants of Queenie the cheetah who typically gets up on vehicles to scout around. Uh, when I was there in June, I managed to meet her daughter. I don't know the name of, actually, it's not her daughter. It's going to be her probably great, great, great granddaughter uh, who had two little cubs with her and jumped up on the vehicles and sits there. And so um, what you need to remember is if she's up on the roof, you can stand stand up and look at her through the roof hatch, but at the same time, don't touch. Don't touch the wildlife. Um, We as a species 
are one of the few that need to reach out and touch something else. Um, don't touch wildlife. Enjoy wildlife. Watch it. But as soon as you interact with that, breaking that physical space, that physical barrier, and that physical boundary between the fight and the flight zone on the animal's perspective, you have totally changed the game. So sit back. Enjoy watching. Uh, don't expect to get so close that you're going to be interfering with the wildlife. Typically, when you're on a safari, you must maintain 30 to 50 meter distance uh, between you and the wildlife, especially the predators. The reason for that? They can bite back. So if you get too close, it becomes a safety issue. Um, if you're watching 18 lions around a kill and you see all the growling and the snarling and the fighting that could be going on, you don't want to become a part of that in uh, in any way, shape, or form. You want to sit back, enjoy it, and photograph it and listen to it. Uh, another thing to do on safari is be quiet. Be quiet so you can hear the birds, so you can hear the rustle of the grasses, so you can hear the animals talking to each other because they are communicating all the time. It's a different communication than ours. They're not using English, but they most certainly are communicating. And we covered a little bit of that with our show with Barb Shore. Animals do have intensely emotional lives. They do have a sense of um, morality, let's call it, a sense of fair play, a sense of sharing, a sense of justice. And if you sit and be quiet and watch a pride of lions, you'll see this in play. That is if you're lucky enough to see them while they're awake. Lions do sleep 18 hours of the day, so that means um, they're active. They're uh, what are known as crepuscular animals. That means they're most ask- active at dawn and at dusk. So um, when you want to see a kill and you want to see wildlife, that means you need to be up early. So that's another thing about going on safari and being prepared. Uh, you got to get up early. If you want to see what's going on before it gets too hot, you got to be up early. And by that, I mean anywhere between 4 and 4.30 in the morning. But hey, like I said, you can do anything for two weeks to get this experience. So one of our questions here from one of our listeners, longtime listeners, is besides the obvious big five, what are some of the most intriguing animals you have seen that I might be interested in? And also, what are some of the places you found most beautiful? That's an excellent question. Um, you have to, besides the big five, which I had said was uh, lion, uh, rhino, cape buffalo, leopard, and lion, uh, which are always fascinating uh, to watch. I sit there and can watch them for hours and hours on end. But I'm also a wildlife photographer and uh, enjoy spending time just watching animals uh, do what they do, which is an, an animal behavior, which is called ethology. Um, so some of the other animals, the rarer animals, depending on where you go, uh, is rhino. I mean, rhino are not so easy to see these days unless you go to um, one specific camp, which is spectacular, and that's called Solio, and it's in the Laikipia area of uh, Kenya, and you will see more rhinos than you can shake a stick at because it's the breeding ground for just and security area for just about every rhino in East Africa. As they breed up their rhino, then they are translocated and sold to other reserves once these reserves have the security in place to be able to keep rhino. Rhino are one of the most highly poached animals today, one of the most uh, rare, uh, heading to extinct, highly endangered, highly threatened. And uh, when they're walking around with $250,000 worth of horn on their face, then you can imagine that in terms of the international trade of endangered species, this is 
something uh, not to shake a stick at. So uh, Rhino is an incredible experience to see. Um, they're beautiful, and at Soleil, you will have an unprecedented experience. And the camp there is just stunning. It's a, a new camp. It was built in 2010. It has, I believe, six rooms. Max is out at 12 people. So you get an, an incredibly intimate experience. The food is um, five-star. It's it's not food. It's cuisine. Um, so anything you would expect to get at one of the best restaurants anywhere in, in the continent. In, in Europe or in the U.S. and they cater to any kind of diet, special needs, such as vegan or vegetarian. So that's another thing you do want to be aware of and let your tour operator know and let the lodges, so that he can let the lodges know if you do have special needs, whether it be medicinal, such as um, diabetics or handicap challenges, um, and diet and specific diet needs. So um, let people know. Uh, don't leave these things unasked and unanswered. Otherwise, your experience won't be quite as much as you would like. So Solio Camp is fabulous. I'm almost um, don't want to uh, break it into you, but uh, it, you walk up to it. And uh, it looks like your typical little uh, mud-sided rendezvous, stucco on the outside. But you walk in the room and you walk into a suite. Um, it has a sitting area, a little refrigerator, full power all the time, provided by a generator. We call that main power. Uh, as opposed to many camps have very limited electricity and it's only available at certain hours of the day, which is when you can recharge all your gear, which we'll get into later or in another show, uh, being prepared and what kind of gear you need to take uh, if you're a photographer and depending on electricity. So then you walk into a room at Solio and you've got this fabulous stunning bedroom. Um, single beds, double beds, king beds, a fireplace, this fabulous, beautiful bathroom, hot tub, and shower. But the most astounding aspect of this camp is the entire back wall of your room is floor-to-ceiling glass. Looking out onto the only, uh, the first and uh, only, well, not only, but the first fenced private game reserve in Kenya, um, started by Court Parfit and his wife, and which is currently the home to the rhino breeding ground. They have over 200 rhino there, both black and white, um, and it's an incredible experience. So as you're in your room, let's say you want to do in-room dining that night, and uh, you have your your breakfast or your lunch or your dinner delivered to your room, you're watching out your windows and watching wildlife just walk by. Um, it's a, a small reserve. It's private. You can do day trips in there. But um, the experience that you're going to have there, which is unprecedented, is very few vehicles around the animals. And they do have just about every animal you're looking for, um, except for a hippo and uh, uh no leopard. The leopard have left because the baboons moved in. So um, once again, do your research. Find out what it is you want to see. And um, I'd say you know, the most astounding animal that it is a treat for me to see in the places that I go would be the Garanook. Um, it, it's it's a hard animal to see. It's an antelope with a long neck, neck sort of like a giraffe, and uh, it's a fascinating animal to see. So as we come back, um, we'll get into a different kind of safari, the self-hire and the walking and the volunteering safari. So we'll be right back after the break.
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big, scary, beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Hi there, and we're talking about going on safari and the different kinds of experiences you can have. So we've covered um, pretty much the lodging tented camp. Uh, what we haven't covered is the self-hire do-it-yourself safari where you rent a car um, fully equipped with the gear that you decide you need and um, decide to drive yourself around and uh, do camping. So this is not typically available in East Africa. If it is the kind of experience you're looking for in East Africa, definitely talk to your tour operator. Um, however, Kenya and Tanzania are not typically set up for the do-it-yourself, unless, of course, you're a local and going with local folks and you have friends over there. The place that is fully set up for self-hire, do-it-yourself uh, camping safaris is Namibia and Botswana and even a bit into Zimbabwe. Um, this is an incredible experience. I do recommend that you know how to drive a four-wheel drive vehicle if you do decide to go really off-road and into places like the Central Kalahari Game Reserve or uh, the Okavanga Delta or the Chobe National Forest Reserve or Chobe National Park. These are places where you are going to encounter a lot of wildlife, especially elephant. And uh, you need to uh, understand the things that you can and cannot do when you're on a self-hire trip. You um, have to be off the roads 
uh, at dark. It's not a good idea to drive after dark because you can't see elephants on the road. Um, and there are a lot of cattle. It's free range, uh, cattle country in a lot of places outside the reserves and cattle go to lay on the road. So do buffalo. So do some of the antelope. Um, at night, they lay on the road at night because it soaked up all the heat. What is wonderful about um, Namibia and Botswana is the road system. They have paved roads. Uh, it's, it's incredible driving. They do have designated loops uh, in the parks and areas. There are places where are designated off-road driving. So if you're going to do off-road driving, it's a good idea to know how because if you get stuck um, – and you're on your own, then you could be in for a rough time. Once again, there's wildlife in the area, and and you don't want to get stuck. So um, the other option is you can hire a driver and a guide uh, to be your um, driver and help you get along, or you can rent a, a non-four-wheel drive car, more like a sedan, and stay to the paved roads and stick to the camping areas. The camping areas in Namibia and Botswana are incredible, Namibia especially, all through the country from Etosha in the north all the way south to Sausasvle in the, the Namibrand Nature Reserve and even farther down to the Transnational Park that's just started there that um, way south from Namibia to uh, Botswana to South Africa and up into Zimbabwe. Uh, it's an incredible new type of park that's starting up. Uh, transboundary between several different countries. But if you're going to go into these, like the Central Kalahari Game Reserve in Botswana, you're on your own. I talked about it a little last week. You are really on your own. They give you a bit of a pamphlet when you pass in through the gate. And uh, the rest of the time, you're on your own. Um, that means uh, you need to have a good satellite phone. And you need to have a GPS navigation system uh, to get through these areas. Uh, looking at a map is one thing, looking at the map, but it's a whole different thing when you're on the ground uh, trying to figure out if this little dirt track going across the sand is the one you want to take or is it the one that's slightly to the left of you. So it's an interesting experience. It's a lot of fun, but be prepared. Uh, know what you're getting into and uh, don't ever uh, hesitate to ask for help. Um, it's important if you're in danger or you feel unsafe, then ask people. Uh, it's 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 critical critical, and it will make your stay a whole lot better. So um, going back to that one comment of what are you going to see and what can you expect for you know doing a high end safari and spending that kind of money? Once again, that's where you talk with your tour operator. They do have a variety of activities. Um, you don't necessarily want to spend all day every day like some people I know, meaning me out in a car watching wildlife and photographing. Uh, you may want to be doing other activities. So many of the camps and uh, lodges today offer the spa experience, massages, um, swimming pools, um, walking safaris, horseback riding safaris, and cultural experiences with the local tribes. In East Africa, a lot of the uh, camps and lodges work in the conservancy areas around the national parks or reserves, and you can get an incredible experience working with and being with the local people and uh, shopping experiences or see how they live and, uh, and, and, and talk and get a, a new experience. In fact, that's how Dusty Becker and Tony Povolitas of Life Net Nature got involved in the, the Maasai Mara Moran's walking safaris as they met the local people. 
Um, so be, be prepared to, to talk with people and understand what it is you want to get out of your safari and what it is you want to see so that when you get there, you have a really, really good chance of seeing that. And that depends on the seasons. It depends on the time of year. And it also depends on your own behavior while you're on the safari. If you're making a lot of noise and you're not paying attention, there's a lot of things you'll miss. So you need to be watching. You need to be um, paying attention to what's going on so that you can see the little things that are happening around you. And um, it's a good idea to do a walking safari or um, a, a cultural experience and get out of the car. It's uh, a lot of times the camps are by a water hole. Some of the most uh, astounding camps in Savo in the southern part of Kenya, Kilaguni is one great camp. It has a fabulous water hole right outside. And uh, you can spend a day in camp having a great time uh, catching up on your writing or your email or your postcard sending and just watch the world that comes into the water hole um, as the elephants move in, the lions move in, the uh, different herds of impala and antelope move in. It's a fascinating way to spend several hours calm and quiet and just watch watching life happen and watching wildlife do its thing, spend its time. And uh, it's it's an incredible experience to open up your mind and let your mind go, um, to get rid of some of the noise that goes on in our heads on a daily basis here in the West. Disconnect from your computer, your cell phone, your iPad, um, your iPod. Uh, disconnect for a while and tune into the real world and tune into this wild world, our wild world that is in Africa. It's an incredible experience. So then that gets us to um, the volunteer uh, aspect of going on a trip. This is not your typical safari. You don't necessarily get to tailor this trip to your needs. The point of a volunteer safari is you want to give back. You want to get, get involved and do something for a community. So uh, look up on the web, volunteer safaris. There are a host of many to choose from. Once again, I suggest doing your research to make sure uh, this is this organization is doing what they say they're going to do, that you will have the experience that you set out to have, whether it be um, building schools or working in an orphanage or teaching in a classroom. Uh, there's uh, organizations out there that will help you find the perfect fit for your skill set or what you desire to accomplish and get involved and set you up with a great community. And a great experience to to become involved. It's difficult to do this in two weeks, though. If you want to do a volunteer safari, the best thing about that is that you've decided to spend some time and immerse yourself in this experience. So a three to four week, uh, a month long type of volunteer event is great, although you can do a walking safari like with LifeNet Nature for a couple of weeks and have a great experience. But if you're wanting to do the volunteer, really sink into it, then I'd plan on spending at least a month uh, to six months to a year. That's why this is a, a great gap year student experience between high school and college. Figure out what the rest of the world is doing out there. Take a little break. See what um, is happening in Africa, and it might give uh, a young student that's not quite sure what they want to do uh, an idea that there is a very large world out there and a lot of opportunities to get involved in a variety of things, whether it's wildlife or medicine or zoology or um, community service. So 
there's a lot of opportunities out there. Once again, be prepared. So if you have any questions uh, and would like to plan your safari, an email at wildeyes.org. Check out our website at www.wildeyes.org. Or you can always call into the show live. We're a little late for that today. Um, and we have several discussions going on on different social network sites. There's a really good one going on on LinkedIn. We have our Facebook page, and we're also connected on Twitter and iRadio blog. So check us out, and uh, if you have questions, uh, I'd love to hear from you. And if you're planning on safari, I hope you have a really good time. It's the adventure of a lifetime, and it's a place that you will, will grab your heart and grab your soul for the rest of your life. So that's it for uh, this week, and we'll see you next week on Our Wild World. So go step outside, let your feet touch some grass, hug a tree, take a look at what's going on out there in your yard and our wild world. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now.